0: Welcome to the King's Cost, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. So I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to read the Word of God together. It's on the screen as well up here, for those who haven't got a Bible with them, come on, let's just pray. Father, we thank you today for your presence. Lord, we thank you today that you're here among us, you never leave us, you never forsake us, and I pray today, God, that you'll speak into the hearts of every single person in this room, in some way or another, God, to encourage them, to lift them to strengthen them in this season, Lord, to believe everything you have for them, for their destiny, their future, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? Amen. Numbers chapter 13, verse 17, we're going to start from, and we're going to pick up here right where the children of Israel um, have trekked to the point where they're about to step into the promised land. they They're coming with Moses and they're going to step into what they believe. And as you know, you read through the Bible, right from the time of Abraham in the book of Genesis, we know there was a promise made that they would uh, have descendants in this land, that there was a promise of a promised land. How many of you know that in your life today, God, He might not be a promised land that you're walking into, but God has promises for your future. He has something for every single person in this room, and right here in this, these verses, we're going to read as these children of uh, uh, these children of Israel were walking up to this point. They meet this point of walking in to explore the land, and Moses instructs that twelve spies are about to walk in and check this this land out. We're going to read it. Moses uh, says this. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said. Go up through the Negev, on into the hill country. See what the land is like. And whether the people who live there are strong or weak. Few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob toward Lebo-Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Hameon, Seshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built 7 years before Zoan in Egypt. I just want to pause there for a moment. You can read these little flyaway comments sometimes, but that that it just says in the brackets there it says Hebron had been built 7 years before Zoan in Egypt. You read in Psalm 78, it will tell you what happened in Zoan and that was the miracles that Moses performed to release them from Egypt. How many of you know sometimes that when you're in your time of captivity and you don't know what's happening in your life, God is already building your destiny. It says seven years before Hebron was being built. The place they were walking into right now and looking at, it says seven years prior. It was built before Zoan. And so what I want to tell you today is whatever you're going through, sometimes God is already building your destiny. He's already building your release. He's already building your promise, even though you feel like you're in captivity. Amen? He says this, verse 23, When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of the 40 days, they went in for 40 days to spy out this land. They returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. Then they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went Into the land to which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But. Everyone said, but. But. We've all got a but sometimes in our life. Even when things look good. But. The men who had gone up with him said we can't attack those people. Sorry I've just got it wrong. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Thank God for Caleb. Caleb silenced the people. Silenced the people before Moses. And said, we should go up and take possession of the land For what? We can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our eyes. And we look the same to them. How many of you know that sometimes you can can be around some great people, godly people, but they have a bad perspective? Do you know what I find interesting about this story? Moses selected all these people. He selected leaders to spy. All these people had the credentials in Moses' eyes to do this task. How many of you know sometimes you can select people based on their outward appearance, but actually it's what's about what's going on inside sometimes. It's about what's happening in your perspective. You might have all of the, the, the labels of who you might be in ministry, but the reality is it's about how you see life. How is your perspective in life? And right now, Moses selects these 12 people to go in and spy. And we just read it. They come back with this report, but only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, are the ones who come back with a good, good report. I want to talk today, the title of this message is this, Promises and Perceptions. Promises and Perceptions. You know, I've not always worn glasses all my life. And a few years back, I went to the opticians because I was starting to struggle when I I used to work on, on a machine every day, a computer, and I thought there's something's wrong. I'm not seeing it with clarity like I should. So I went into the opticians, and I'd, I spent most of my life without glasses. And I went in, and they did an eye test, and they checked me out. And then at the end of the eye test, they said to me, well, you've got a problem. I thought, I've got a lot of problems. You've got a problem. In fact, you've had this all your life. They said, you've got astigmatism. One of your eyeballs is slightly out of shape, so you, you know, we need to correct that. And I realized something for the first time. I was told I needed glasses, but actually I should have had them all my life. This problem had been there all the way through my life. I had one eye that was good. So, you know, I've got one good eye at least. But then one that wasn't so good. Do you know sometimes in your walk of faith, you can have bad eyesight in the perspective of the kingdom of God. You can have bad eyesight. In fact, sometimes you can have one side that's good and one side that's bad. It's called lukewarm. You read Revelation, what happens to people who are lukewarm. Sometimes you can have a good perspective and a bad perspective. And actually you're living in warm territory. But I want to talk today about the fact that when God gives promises in our life, when he talks about destiny, when he talks about the things that you uh, have got to look forward to, the blessings. We sung about it this morning. I didn't tell them what to sing, but we talked about the land that is plentiful. Blessed be your name. We all love the future when it's bright and and, and, and nice and and it's blessed and plentiful, but we don't like singing the the bridge bit, do we? You give and you take away. We like Him giving things, but we don't like Him taking away things. Oh no, we we don't want to sing that. It's amazing how many people sing these songs and actually really accept them. You give and you take away things. Sometimes God takes away things in our lives. I put here that the fulfillment... Of God's promises, the fulfillment of God's promises requires our alignment to God's perspective. Okay? Can I just say as well that there's a difference between God's plans and His promises. Oh, uh, you, I, I hear lots of people say to me, I want God's plan for my life. Do you really? There's a difference between a promise and a plan. Jeremiah 29.11, we all love the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, and all all that great stuff. The 29.11 scripture, we'll quote it all day, but you read Jeremiah 29.10, the one that goes before it. it. Talks about the captivity in Babylon, it says, when the 70 years have ended in Babylon... That's when you. That's when I'm going to release you. That's when you're going to be released. When captivity is finished. How many of you know that if you want the plans of God, you're going to have to go through tough seasons to get to the promises? Come on. You see, the plans are different. The plan is the process to the promise. And if you don't have the right perspective in life, when things don't go the way you thought... Or things don't look the way it should. You'll quit. But I've, I thank God today. That when things happen in my life. That when I see things doesn't happen the, the way that I want them to. The plans are not exactly the way that I wish they'd have been. I know today that I can trust in God. I don't have to lean on my own understanding. I trust in Him. I trust that He orders my steps. Come on, church. He orders my steps. And I trust that even when I love the promises, I love the fact that people have quoted and said more prophecies over me about what God's going to do, but I don't like sometimes the plan. What did I say earlier in in, in Isaiah 53? We looked at communion. We looked at the fact it's no accident that I, I wanted to bring that today. The reality is it was God's plan to crush him so that we would prosper. That's the promise. The promise is that you prospered, but he had to go through the plan. So the next time you say, God, I want your plans in my life. Just be careful what you're saying. Oh, I love your plans, God. They're so perfect. His promises are perfect. His plans are a little bit hard sometimes. you got to get ready. Because if you want to walk into the promises of God, you've got to have the right perspective. You see, ten spies were geographically aligned in the promised land. They're geographically aligned. Ten of these negative spies were geographically aligned but spiritually misaligned. You can be be in church every week geographically aligned to God but spiritually misaligned and not see it. You can, be, you can be thinking you're walking in the promises of God and you're geographically aligned. You are positioned well. In fact, you've, you're on team. You're on the prayer team. You're positioned. You're doing so well. You're geographically aligned, but sometimes you can be spiritually misaligned. You miss the perspective. Ten saw negativity, two saw opportunity. Ten saw negativity, two of them saw opportunity. I want to be the ones like Joshua and Caleb who have a different spirit. They have a different perspective. They have a different viewpoint. They have a different way of looking at the kingdom of God. It's through the spirit of God. Hallelujah. You see, I find it amazing that it just shows Moses can select 12 people. But 10 of them came back with a wrong report that stopped them. 40 days they looked in this land. And what happened is the result was another 40 years wandering. Two people saw some. It's amazing, is it, later on in Joshua chapter 6 and moving on into when they go back in again, that actually two were sent in then. I think they learned the lesson. Two go in. You send a crowd and you'll get all sorts of reports. I want to I encourage you today. You can be positioned geographically. You can be aligned, thinking you're just serving God. This is it. Listen, you can be spiritually misaligned. You might not see. It's time to get your spiritual eyes. So that when you walk through blessed days and bad days, you still rejoice and say, God is with me. Amen? Amen. You know, Hophni and Phineas. In, in, in Eli's, in the, in the temple, when they, were, when they were helping out, and he says that they were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. In other words, they didn't have a right viewpoint. They were physically aligned, but spiritually misaligned. Thank God for Samuel, who hears the voice of God. And so we can see sometimes that you can be in a position, like Hophni and Phinehas were, the sons of Eli. They were, they were right in the right place but they couldn't see properly. They had no regard for the Lord, it says. What was the end result? They died. They died. Samuel moves on to do great things. I want to say to you, your plans will end if you have the wrong viewpoint. If you have the wrong viewpoint, you're not going to get to the promises of God because you're going to look at things in the wrong way. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says this. Just listen to this. I pray that the eyes... Of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. This is not the Old Testament. This is the new. You have an inheritance to walk into. You have promises from God to walk into. And verse 19 is incomparably great power for us who believe. What Paul's saying is that he's actually praying. He said, I pray that your eyes, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You've got to start looking with a perspective. The perception of life so that you can walk through the plans of God. Into the promises of God. Joshua and Caleb passed the eye test. They came out. They passed the eye test. They could see with a spiritual life. let me tell you. I, 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 don't, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but you—you know—you get the promise to Abraham, Genesis chapter 15, and, and and around Genesis, the promises of what is to come. You get Abraham looking up to the stars, seeing the promise. Your descendants are going to be as numerous. Wow! And all these years on, they approach this promised land, and. I don't know about you, but I wanted it to look nicer than having giants and problems. That The terrain was bad and things looked bad. You expect that if God said, I'm going to give you this, it's going to be easy. It's not easy to walk in. I remember when we had our first child, Jacob. I remember I was so excited. You know, talk to people, you're having a child? Yeah, and some people, you'll know about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great blessing. I got all the books and the room. We got everything prepared. The carpet down, brand new carpet. Everything's all nice for the arrival. And I used to stand in that room sometimes and thinking, I wonder what it's going to be like to have a baby crying in the house. Well, (laughs) to hear the sound, you know. And let me tell you, a few months later, I, I knew what it sounded like. And we had a little thing that... What do they call them? the mobile that goes above his head in, in, the, in the cot to keep him quiet. We had one of those and it was twinkle, twinkle, little star. Let me tell you, Abraham looked at the twinkle, twinkle, little stars. But when they arrived there, he realized that actually to walk in, when Moses and the, the children of Israel walk up to this point and see what challenges lie ahead to walk in, it's just like what I found when I realized one night he was sick in the bed. And I realized that this room is no longer the nice clean room that I expected it would be. That actually, life has challenges. Amen? The promised land for you is going to have challenges. See, your perception in life has the power to change your direction in life. It's what you look at, how you see things moving forward. I want to talk just a few points to you to encourage you today on the scripture. Number one is this, focus finds the best out of your worst. Focus on the things of God finds your best out of your worst. If you walk through the worst season, if you walk into a season that you thought was going to be twinkle, twinkle little stars, and then you realize that you got giants to deal with, and come on, let's face it, some of us right now in this room, you got giants you're facing with. You've got problems in your finances. You've got problems in your marriages. You've got problems in things that you haven't even talked to anyone about. You've got problems with sin. You can't get rid of this thing that you keep doing. You've got problems. Welcome to the club. You've got problems. You've got things sometimes, the worst seasons. You thought, I'm supposed to be living in my promised land. I'm supposed to be living the dream. I mean, how many times it so frustrates me when people put that on? I'm living the dream. Well, good for you. I'm not I'm not living the dream. You're living the dream? Are you living the dream every day? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I'm living the dream. Hashtag living the dream. Life's good, hashtag, or whatever. Listen, life's not always good. Life ain't always that good. Focus on the best in the worst. What does Moses say? He says, I know you're going to go in. You're going to see these challenges that's right ahead of you for the promised land. But he says this, verse 20. Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. Let me tell you something: that whatever season you walk into, whether it's good or bad, there's always something good in it. Whatever season you walk, if you're walk, listen, let's just face this: if I was walking into the promised land. And I saw these giants, the descendants of Nephilim and Anak. These, You know, I'd look at them and I'd be thinking, wow, these are huge. This is a big problem. I don't know if a few grapes on a bunch on a stick is going to help me be confident about the future. And right now in your life, I believe there's some people in here, you're in some of the worst seasons that the giants you're facing are so big, you haven't even got the energy and strength to pick up some grapes. But I want to encourage you today. The thing you need to do is this, that when you walk into a season, Moses says, it's the season for grapes. I think it was just a little decoy. I know you're going to see these giants, so I'll just kind of tease you. I'll try and keep you off, you know, offline to stop you looking at that. Just grab some grapes, some pomegranates and figs. Just grab those things. But listen, do you know what you've got to do sometimes? I want to encourage you. In your bad seasons when there are so many giants they're everywhere that you are trying to firefight your problems. The best thing to do is to look for the grips. Look for the best thing in the season that you're in. Because let me tell you something no matter how hard your life is right now, no matter how bad things are for you right now, no matter what's falling apart around you right now, I'm telling you there's grips. Come on, church. Are you excited? Are you excited that no matter what's happening, there's a grape? Come on, let's hashtag that. I found my grapes. Look, I'm encouraging you today. Why? Because the enemy wants you to focus on the giants. The best way of your perception in life is to understand that I ain't gonna focus on the big problems. I'm gonna focus on the little good things that God has given me because I got a big God. I got someone who's bigger. And the carry, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the two of them carried the pole. I wonder who they were. It must have been Joshua and Caleb. Who knows? Who was carrying the pole? Who was carrying the pole? Well, I know two of them gave a good report. But what I know today is this, that some of us sometimes ain't got the energy. You know, they said, oh, we got the fruit of the land, here it is, but you got to hear the story. Check out this on the photographs on my phone. We saw the descendants of Nephilim. But what about the fruit? No, no, you, you don't understand. They are big. You, some of you right now, you know, is, what's God doing in your life? Well, he, he helped me with this, but you you got to, honestly, the problems I'm going through are so big. Look at this. I want to encourage you today, no matter how big your giants are, there's always grapes. It's the season you can have. Someone said to me today, we have good seasons and bad seasons. We do, but every bad season has something good in it. Hallelujah. Praise God for grapes this morning. Whatever season God is taking you into right now, whatever season you're going through right now, let me tell you there's battles and blessings. There's battles and blessings. You can have blessings and battles at the same time. In fact, that's the way that God works. You've got to get ready for this. Don't look for good seasons to live in good seasons all the time. It's not the way God works. He's looking for our our faith when everything seems wrong. You see, facts. the facts said, we heard about this last week, about facts and faith. Facts said in this situation... You are outnumbered. You got problems. These people are bigger than you. Your problem, your boss at work, is bigger than you. Your problem you're dealing with is bigger than you. Satan has won over you. Let me tell you, you have the victory. No matter what Satan whispers in your ear, you have the victory. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Come on, that's something to rejoice about this morning, isn't it, church? Hallelujah. Facts said, observe the battle. Faith said, observe the blessing. I'll tell you why. It's best to just look at your grapes and let the battle belong to the Lord. Come on. You know, I've found that in my life, that I've been fighting so many battles, I'm worn out. I couldn't find the grapes. I was too busy fighting the battles. And God said to me, you don't have to fight a battle, son. I'm fighting for you. You don't have to fight any battle. Just give it to me. Give the battle to me and enjoy the grapes. Come on, church. You're probably saying, why is he so excited about grapes this morning? I'm excited because I know that my perception has to be on the grapes of my life. It has to be on the produce of the fruit, however big or small it is. In the land that's plentiful, or sometimes there ain't much. But I know something today, that if I focus on those things, if I keep my focus right, then the battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. What you focus on, determines what you follow. It does. What you focus on in your life determines what you follow. You know, you go back to Moses himself, Exodus chapter 3, when he sees the burning bush and he gets this call from God. Thank God he had the perception to walk over to a strange sight. What's that? And listen to the voice that called him to do what he did. You see, if he wouldn't have looked with his spiritual eye at a burning bush that didn't consume, And he sees this sight. He had the perception. It says this, Exodus 3, verse 2. Moses saw with his eyes that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush doesn't burn up? When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses sure it sounds a little different to that, but <laughs> can I just say to you that God is calling you, some of you right now, you've been distracted by other fires in your life. You've been distracted by things that are taking your eye off Jesus. Then fires can be problems or they can be attractive fires. Things that take your eye off, that you look at, that are leading you down a path into sin and away from God. And the fires are distracting you. And I want to say to you today, it's time to look into the eyes of Jesus again. The one who burns with fire in his eyes. <laughs> Hallelujah. The one who has the answers. The one who will give you the right perception in life. It's time to stop looking at those distractive fires. And to keep walking into the new season that God has for you. Yesterday I was in the car with Jaron. He's not here today. I think he's in London. He took me to a conference with Amma, Bless them. And on the way out, we leave the conference in London and uh, we drive back and the sat-nav, we both put, everyone's got a sat-nav in the car. It's like, which sat-nav are we going to choose to get home? He got this new car. It, the, the dashboard was like a cockpit. And I said, wow, does this thing fly? And Jaron's there and he's got this big screen in the front. And it's like, I'm going to put the sat-nav on. I said, well, I've got a sat-nav as well. Whose sat-nav are we going to use? And then we, set, we, put, we plug in the same postcode to get back to Cambridge from London. And so we set off and my sat-nav said two hours. His sat-nav said an hour and 15. How many of you know that I wanted to use his sat-nav? Why's mine two hours and this is an hour and fifteen? I said, "What's the what's the deal? You know, this this car's good, mate. I know it's good, but how fast does it go? An hour and fifteen. Are you, can you fly over the traffic?" He said, "Well, the problem is it's not connected to the internet." Ah, <laughs> oh, something not connected to the internet for once. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. My children are permanently connected to the internet. Dad, I need more data. I need more money. Data. I get text messages. Dad, I've run out of data. And so have I. I've run out of money, son. The thing is, he says, I'm not connected to the internet. I said, well, and I realized mine was connected to the internet. I had GPS. Mine knew the traffic updates. He clicked on his screen. He says, look. And there's no traffic updates. Ah, there's the problem. Do you realize that you're missing out? There's 45 minutes. Oh, my sat has got his pictures of red roads. Traffic updates available. I think we'll use mine. Some of us sometimes, you know what? When Moses said, he said, I want you to go into the land and I want you to spy it out. He says, what's the land like? What's the terrain like? What's the soil like? What's all these things like? Do you know something sometimes? You can look at a map above and you can't see the contours of the hills. You can't see the things you're going to have to walk through in life. If you look at something in 2D, you can't see what you're going to have to walk through in life. But let me tell you something. When they went in, they realized the terrain was probably tough. Things were probably hard. And some of us sometimes in life, what we're doing is, we're traveling through, we 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 serve God and we, we said, God, I want the plans in my life, but we've not been continually having a relationship with him. So we're not connected to him. So what happens when you get a disconnect from God, you don't understand that when the problems come. You see, sometimes in life, let me tell you that God's plans are going to include red roads. God's plans will include red roads. If you ain't connected to the source and see the right perspective on life, you're going to find that you ain't going to be alerted to the red roads. You're going to be surprised. It said I was going to get here in time, but I ain't there. Why? Because you're not connected to the source, the true vine. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us throw off. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. The pioneer is someone who goes before. They go before. They, they, they plan the way. you got to fix your eyes on the one who knows the red roads. He knows the difficult seasons. He knows the contours of the land that you're traveling right now. And he'll take you through those seasons. It's time to get real again with Jesus. It's time to get real again and get connected to the source. Because when you're connected to the source, you know everything what God wants to have for you. And even the problems don't surprise you. Hallelujah. Number two, false false impressions withhold your possessions. False impressions will withhold your possessions. Numbers 13 verse 30 says, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said we should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. Can I just say something today? If there's a word for you today. You can do it. Phil! Phil! You can do it. You can do it. You can certainly do it. Why? Listen, this is not because Joshua and Caleb had strength that they could do it. It's because of God. Can you, do you know the world tells you you can do it, but you can't do it. You can't do it. You can only do it with God. You can do it when God's in the picture. So uh, the, the reality is this. If you want a word today, if you're not serving Jesus Christ, if He's not the Lord and Savior of your life, if He's not in the driving seat of your life, you can't do it. You can't. You can only do it when you serve Him. You can only do it when you have His perspective. And the problem is that ten spies were creating a false impression, a false view A false impression to stop them taking the possession. False impressions will stop you from taking that possession of what God has for you. You know, I I used to work on on computers doing design work. And one of the, the software things I use, some of you may know, is Photoshop. I would spend lots and lots of hours on Photoshop, which is doctoring photographs. And many times in the company, people would come to me and they'd, one of the things I'd do is I'd do photography, so I'd take the photo of the person and then I would say, well, I'm going to take the pictures, get them all, I'll find the best one and then I'll meet you, I'll put a meeting in the diary and we'll meet up and we'll look through the best one that you choose and it's interesting what people choose, what they think's the best one. And they would go through these pictures, they'd select one and then they'd say, oh, I don't like my ears on that. All I want to do is crack on and get, get working. I don't like my nose on that. I don't like that spot. And they used to say this to me. Would you reduce my ears and change... Can you remove the spot? What? All I want to do is just send the picture. And I'd sometimes, for certain people, I would spend an hour removing blemishes because of their problems in people seeing them. And so I would airbrush these things out and remove them from someone's face. By the time I'd done it, it didn't even look like the person. I had some fun. Some people... You know, shrink me in a little bit. You know, it's quite quite tempting. Sometimes I had to do my own photographs. And I've got to admit, sometimes I had to pull the chin in a little bit. I did. So if you ever see photographs of me and you think, wow, he looks good. It's not true. That's not how he looks on Sunday. That's because I removed the, the this, this bit here. I'm good, at, I'm good at taking bits out I don't like. And I, I used to airbrush things to make things look good. False impression. You're not seeing the true picture. Let me tell you that today in today's society, you're not seeing the true picture. You young people out there, listen, what you see online. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I was on holiday last year in Greece. I saw one young lady at the, the restaurant. I was sat there. She must have took one hour over a meal to try and get a good selfie. That's what happens when you haven't got Photoshop. She was sat there through the whole meal. what is this world coming to? Just eat your dinner. Also, they could send a photograph back home to say, living the dream. Living the dream. I'm I'm hungry. I don't know about you. Living the dream. Listen, do you know something? What the enemy does is this. He tries to create a false impression. That you cannot walk into the destiny that God has for you. And so what he does is he airbrushes things. And he makes you feel like I'm inadequate. I'm not good enough to to battle these things ahead of me. I'm not strong enough to do this on my own. I can't do this. So He gets you to think, look, it's so big. It's such a big task for you. You compared to this, you're not going to reach the standard. Give up? No. The answer is no. When we have the Spirit of God in us, we say, Yes, I can certainly do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen to me some of you right now in this room, I felt the Lord speak to me. There are people in this room now, you have been thinking of new business ventures. You've been thinking of ideas. There are dreams that you've given up on. You thought of doing things for God and you said, I want to do this. I want to see the kingdom of God advancing this way. I want to see God bless this nation. I want to see God use me in this area. Let me tell you, I'm here today to tell you that it's time to remove the, the things that have been disguised. The false impressions what the devil has put upon you? Because you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. In the words of Nike, just do it. <laughs> and Adidas that, are good trainers as well, you know. Yeah. Just do it. There's a word for someone here today. Just do it. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. You you know right now there's someone right now here. You've been thinking, I don't know if I can afford to step out in this venture for God. I don't know if I can do this thing to see the kingdom of God advance. I don't know if I'm good enough. Let me tell you the word of the Lord to you today. And this is real stuff. You can do it. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. There's a promised land waiting for you, but you've been looking at the giants too long. You've been looking at the giants. Hallelujah. You can do it. It's the season to take new territory for Jesus Christ, for the kingdom of God. You know, years ago, I was in school and going through school and I was, a, I was quite a bad student. I didn't used to listen. I was only ever good at drawing things. That's why I did artworks. So I just drew and I was good at art. But even my art teacher one day came up to me and said, when I was in secondary school, 20 odd years back, she said this to me. She goes, you won't, you won't go to university. She didn't like me. She actually said that to me. She says, you won't go to university. You won't, you won't make it. You, you mess around too much. How many of you know when someone says that to you, you want to prove them wrong? What? I want to tell you that what I did from that day when she said that, I put all my focus and attention To say I'm going to make sure I do something. Because I can draw. And I can do this. So I went on and I carried on into college. Then I went in and did my foundation course. Then I went to Cambridge and got a degree in graphic design. Then I carried on and went 13 years in the design industry business. Then God called me out of it. And now I'm here today to lead this church. Let me tell you. You can do it. You can listen to the wrong voices. And they'll, the perception on your life will change the direction. I'm so glad that I realized that I can do it. And that God actually never had a plan for me to be in the design industry. He had a plan for me to see the kingdom of God established in this city in a powerful way. It's the, pl- the plans of God. You've got to walk through these seasons. You've got to walk through them. It's the season to take new territory. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing at all. Matthew 19, 26. Nothing's impossible for God. If you listen to negative voices, they'll, negativity will take away your opportunity. Negativity will steal your opportunity. You see... 40 days, the false impression gained from 40 days resulted in a, the, the whole 40 years wandering. Time was stolen. Time was stolen. There are some right now who feel like you missed the opportunity to jump on the bandwagon, as it were, to do that business venture, to do that thing for God. You missed your opportunity because... You gave in to negativity, you gave in to the voices that said you couldn 't do it, and right now you 're saying i 've tried, and i can 't try again i don 't have the strength. Can I just say that they spent forty years and they got another opportunity? Do you know God is the God of second chance He's the God who says to you today, you might have failed years ago because you didn't have faith to step out and you thought you didn't have the money to do it. Can I say to you right now today? That whether you failed in the past doesn't mean that God won't give you another chance. He's saying to you again today, he's saying it's time to step out. I'm giving you another chance. I'm giving you another chance. Because I'm not giving up on you. You might have given up on the idea, but I ain't giving up on you. Hallelujah. Don't let your life be fixed on that bad decision. That time when you didn't step out in faith, it's time to step out. In faith, to see the promises God has for you. Joshua 6, 1-2, it says this. This is now after the 40 years. They've gone through. They missed their opportunity. God brings another chance. Joshua 6. Now the gates of Jericho. They're about to go in again. 40 years later. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. Because of the Israelites. No one went out. And no one came in. This was shut up. Then the Lord said to Joshua. See. Everyone say See. 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 I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. I don't know about you, but if I saw a a wall and a gate and everything secure and shut up, so much so that no one came in and no one went out. I don't know what kind of perception Joshua had, but he says, I want you to see with revelation. I want you to see that what you see is secured and barred and locked up is yours. Can I just say that, do you know, God unlocks things in the supernatural before they're opened in the natural. There are dreams now for you. God wants to use some people here in some, I really believe this today, in some significant things for the kingdom of God. Real good things. You can either believe it or not. But I really believe there's people here who are going to do great things for the kingdom of God. But you can either look at your future and say, this thing is securely barred. You've got to see with revelation. You've got to hear in your spirit right now. God is speaking to me and I'm seeing my future. I'm seeing this thing locked up. I'm seeing it looks absolutely nowhere. The thing is secured and barred. There is no going in. There's no going out. It's impossible. It's no way. This place is impossible to take. God says to you, see, 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 see you look in the right way, you'll see that the voice of God will begin to speak to you and say, I don't care whether it's securely barred. What is locked in the natural is unlocked in the supernatural. And I'm going to take a step of faith. And I'm so glad in Joshua chapter 6, they stepped into that water. And as they took that step of faith from the wilderness right into the promised land, as they went on to take on the gates of Jericho, that actually they believed that God could open up those gates. But the walls came crumbling. Hallelujah. I'm coming to finish, don't worry. Number three is faith annihilates what fear exaggerates. Faith annihilates what fear will exaggerate in your life. Numbers 13, 32, it says, all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. See, if you look in your own eyes... You'll see the wrong perspective. And we look the same to them. How did you know that? How did, Have you... Do you know assumption is one of the worst things you can do? <laughs> Never assume. They assumed that they thought that that's what they looked like to them. They said, this is what we're going to label on ourselves. We look like grasshoppers. We're so small. We're so insignificant. And actually, we look the same to them. You can't see through their eyes. You can't. You see, when you fear something, it's exaggerating reality. Reality, sometimes, I don't know about you, but someone said to me recently, they said, your worries and fears of tomorrow, it's not the fact that you are worried about tomorrow, it's the fact that you can't control tomorrow. It's so true. My worries and fears on tomorrow, not the fact you're just worried about it, it's the fact that I want to control it. You in your life, all you ever want to do is be able to control everything. You know, if you imagine if you had a cockpit like Jaron's car that you could control everything. You know? Problem here. I'll have a few more grips. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. I'm gonna turn that down. If you had the ability to control your tomorrow, you would you feel good. That would make you God. So why not serve God? Why not serve God? Come on, we got one clap. Hallelujah you see what you magnify in your life you qualify to influence your life what you magnify in your life you qualify to influence your life the reality is that some of us sometimes we magnify the wrong things god is the one to be magnified it's not that he's not big already It's that your perception of him, that he's small. So when you come to worship, do you know what worship is? It's not so you can sing a few songs and enjoy a bit of time. Just, oh, I like the keys. I like the pad. I like that sound. Worship is about magnifying God. Making God great in our perception because he is great. Because we lose the wrong perception of him. So I want to encourage you today. It's time to get when you come in and you worship Jesus, it's time to get your magnifying glass out and say, "I'm magnifying you because you are big. I'm going to make you bigger in my perception." Because when the bigger he becomes in your life, the smaller the giants get. Hallelujah. What you magnify in your life, you qualify to influence in your life. We seemed like grasshoppers. You know, just some of you may have heard this before, but I was one night sat in my lounge and I heard, I was just sat in the lounge and I heard this little scratching noise. And I went into the kitchen, looked, couldn't see anything. Then I went back again. And as I walked in the third time, looked in and I see this little, little animal or whatever it was on the floor in the kitchen. It was white. And I thought, what on earth is that? I mean, this thing, it was a rodent. In the house, I do not have a pet rodent. I have no pets whatsoever. The kids are in bed. And and I I walked into my kitchen. Some of you are never going to come around to my house again now, are you? I walked in and I see this white rodent sat looking, staring at me. Can I say to you, I was so scared. I slammed the door shut. I ran back into the room. I thought, what on earth is that? So I went and had a little peer. The thing, it it had more confidence than me, I'll tell you that. It knew what Hebrews 10 means when you don't throw away your confidence. He was staring at me. And so I looked again and the thing was staring at me. And so I shut the door and I thought, what is it? And so Emma was upstairs and I said, Emma, I said, I believe. I I think we've got a rat in the house since when were rats white? Especially around Cambridge. And so... She said, well, sort it out. <laughs> this is true. And so I, I, I'm, st- I'm stood in the room. Honestly, I'm scared of spiders. So you imagine what a rodent does for me. You see, I'm not the best person to preach this message to you today. And, and I looked and I thought, what on earth is this thing? How has it got in the house? So I, 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 the first thing I did, I just shut the door so it wouldn't run into the room. Drove to Tesco's. Every little helps at Tesco's. <laughs> I went to Tesco's. I said, have you got any mouse traps?" Big enough for a rat. They the pointed me in the right direction and said, we've got this, we've got that. And, and so I went back home and I walked in and I thought, how am I going to catch this thing? So I, I get a cardboard box. I opened the door again. It vanished. So I put a cardboard box down and I put a little trail of cheese on the floor. You know, I've watched Tom and Jerry. It's got, it's got to work. It's got to work. Forget Google. And so I put, I put a trail of cheese on the floor to where I thought it had come from, in this little hole underneath. So I put the cheese down, and I shut the door, and I opened the door just a little bit, and I'm watching through, watch this little, and surely enough, let me tell you, it works. They like cheese. It, it came out, and it went towards the cheese. And so I opened the door, and then it ran back again. And I eventually got a plan, and I, and I managed to capture this thing. It was amazing. I felt so good. This thing that totally struck my fear, it exaggerated reality that actually I was far bigger than this thing. But I'd got this perception wrong. And so I, I eventually i get the thing in a cardboard box. And have you ever had that where you, I don't know if you like me, but if you're scared of spiders, you get the spider in the tissue. And I'm just fearful when it's in the tissue. I'm like, the kids are saying, Dad, don't press on it. Don't kill it. I'm like, don't worry about that. I just want to get it out of the house. And and I, and I got this cardboard box, the thing was inside, and I just threw it out by the, but I didn't really know what this thing was, I just did it so quickly. Threw it out the back door, shut the door. My wife shouts down, she says, what are you doing? I said, I've got rid of it. Praise God. Got rid of it. She said, good, go to bed. So I went upstairs and I looked out the window and watched the little thing walking away from the house down the side. I thought, wow, this thing totally, totally struck me with fear. Anyway, a week went on, and I actually thought i got rid of a rat, a white rat with no tail. I mean, do you get them? A week later, I went around to the neighbor just to see them about something. And the neighbor, she said, um, by the way, while you're here, have you, uh, you haven't seen our hamster, have you? I said, you know the moments of where your perception gets recalibrated and you realize everything you've done wrong and you're thinking, should I be honest or economical with the truth? I looked at her and I said, what does it look like? White, no tail, red piercing eyes. I said, I, uh, ah, I do actually. Oh yeah, where did you say? have you got it? My children, have, it's the pet school hamster. This is the school my children are currently in, don't tell them. I never, I never confess. There's some things in life, you just got to be economical with the truth. She said, it's the school uh, hamster. I said, well, I have seen it. She said, where is it? Can we come and get it? I said, no, I threw it out the back door in a cardboard box. Oh, where's the cardboard box? I don't know. It went. Ah, right. I'll have to tell the children when they come home. It's the schools. Thankfully, my children have not been in that school just at this point. They are now, but the teachers moved on. This is a true story. I'm not making it up. I'm not exaggerating it. But listen, sometimes our fears exaggerate reality. There are things now in your life where you're looking and you're saying, these things are too big. The Nephilim are too big. I'm like a grasshopper compared. And so what happens is it determines your actions. Fear will totally change your direction in your decisions and everything you do. And I want to encourage you today, if you can have the band back, please, that'd be great. Don't let fear exaggerate reality. Don't let fear of the future exaggerate. Exaggerate reality. Because faith initiates opportunity. You can let fear exaggerate your reality. Or you can let faith initiate opportunity. And I, I want to encourage you. There are things right now that you have got in your life that are actually not that big at all. You've got to find the grapes. You've got to find the blessing in the battle. Your enemy looks big. Do you know Numbers chapter 14 verse 9? When Joshua speaks up, this is what he says. You know, Caleb silences the people. Then Joshua in in, in Numbers chapter 14, the next chapter on, he speaks up. He says, don't be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Wow, he's got some faith. We'll devour them. Then he says this, their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Come on, let's stand, everyone. Hallelujah. Can I just say this? The things you're facing now, the promises of God. What God has for your life. You can either have the wrong perception or the right perception. But listen, whatever enemy you're facing, whatever battles you're facing. Can I just say something that the word of God tells us? Your enemies who do not serve God. Can I say something? They might have good weapons. The Bible talks about all the things they'll throw at you. It, talks, it tells us, you know, <laughs> the fiery darts of the evil ones. Oh yeah, he's got some good weapons, but can I tell you what he hasn't got? Protection. Someone who's got good weapons is one thing, but you have weapons of warfare, your prayer and your praise. So you have weapons, but you also have prayer, praise, and protection. Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. So I want to tell you something today. However big your enemy looks, their protection is is gone, anyone who pulls and withdraws himself away from the kingdom of God, anyone who says I don't want what God has for me, I don't want the plans that God has for me, because I find it tough, I don't want this and I'm pulling myself out from that, you are stepping into the enemy's camp, where there is no protection, but those who trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. So I want to tell you today, whatever you're going through right now, whatever season you're in right now, whether it's good or it's bad, find the grapes. Find the best thing in it. Find the best in the worst. Focus on the right things. But don't let your enemy take away the opportunity for your life. There is destiny in this room. Do you know what? The greatest thing about this story is that their future destiny was greater than their captivity behind them. God always is a God of restoration. Do you know what? There's some people here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour. You don't know Jesus. Do you know that Jesus is the one of restoration? He's the one who will set you free from sin and captivity. He has a promise for you. Jesus Christ has a future for you that's greater than anything you've ever been involved in. You can either say, I'm going to settle for Egypt. I'm going to settle for my place of captivity where sin entangles me. Or you can throw off sin that's so easily entangles and come to the one who can set you free his name is jesus and he will deliver you into the promised land you're saying well i ain't got a promised land there's no promised land for me yes there is yes there is there's a promise and a hope for every person in this room thank you for listening and we trust that the word of god has inspired you today